Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse, a place for less than distinguished gentlemen to discuss nonsense and fuck all tomfoolery. With your hosts Aaron and Armando. Honestly, who's going to listen to this? What a couple of stupid fucking cunts. All right, so recording, the mic's working. So the little intro music's going to play. Welcome to the Degenerates <laughs> Podcast. The, a place for less than distinguished gentlemen's blah, blah, blah. It's like, and then I and I go into the intro. It's like, all right, so welcome everybody. Today we are going to be talking about Umbrella Academy Season 2. So if you haven't seen Umbrella Academy Season 1, I highly recommend it. Basically, it's like, if you ever saw one of the X-Men movies and you're like, this is great, but I wish all these characters were way more dysfunctional and fucked up, that's pretty much what the Umbrella Academy is. Um, the first season w- was good. It set expectations really high. And both uh, Mondo and I watched season two. And well, so what was your, your kind of initial reaction to season two? Uh, well, the, the nice thing about the season ending, season one ending the way it did, is it leaves, off, leaves you off with a good cliffhanger. It, it, it doesn't really finish any part of the story and it just gets deeper and crazier in season two um i expected i i didn't know i didn't have any expectation so i i don't know if it was in the podcast the previous podcast that you and i recorded or if it was off off um recording that you and i discussed and how i had some kind of predictions of what could happen or what will happen in season two and i was dead nuts Uh on with um with a couple of the the key things that happened in season two. Okay. So in three words or less, what was your, your reaction to season two adjectives? It was good. It sucked no, balls. I, uh, Those were, I'm trying to come up with three words. Holy fucking shit. Is, is that okay? That That's pretty good. So you really liked oh, it. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. That's good. So this is going to be interesting because I really enjoyed it. I, I had a blast watching it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And if I, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to break my own rule. I'm gonna have to make four <laughs> words: fun, but highly disappointing. That was really? that was my reaction. I was, I because I thought, like I said, I thought it was a bunch of fun. Like the characters are still still fun, and I I thought they missed so many great opportunities, and it could have been so much better. So. It's like I don't, I'm not bagging on it because I, I was like, "Wow, this was this was you know worth the the nine bucks for you know for Netflix by itself." But I just thought so much more could have been done with that season, and it was like they were so close. There were there's so many different little facets where if they had just done it a little bit better, it would have made the whole this whole season much better. What what any specifics that you had expected or wanted to happen or they could have done? I mean, what what? Oh, I mean, there there were there were a lot of specifics. Do you want to get right into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so so there's a couple things. There, there's there's two there's two aspects. I mean, at its core, the show is a character driven series, right? It's about the people in the family. So the one most essential thing that they get right is character development. So like season one, the plot was like a little bit flimsy. I thought. I mean. There was, it was like, well, there's the end of the world, but and that was sort of it. Like, there wasn't a lot of ins and outs or nuances or what's happening or, you know, there, there were some little mysteries, but I thought the character development in season one was, was phenomenal. And then it, it seemed like they just sort of forgot about 
character uh, character development largely in season two. And I can kind of, and if you want, you're like, what do you mean? I can give you some pretty specific examples. I mean, just kind of going through the list. So they did such a good job of character development in season one that it's like these characters sort of arcs have already, have already started. You know what they're struggling with, like what their, their kind of issues are. I mean, I I opened, you know, making the joke about them being dysfunctional X-Men, but that's it. It's like, they're all fucked up. And it's like, how do they, how do they start to work towards resolving these places in their lives where they're fucked up? So like Luther, right? Season one, you know, he, he's like the good son. He's, he just wants to please his dad. He goes to the fucking moon for four years and lives by himself just to, do what his dad wants and then that all gets blown up uh literally figuratively and 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 the other so like season two it's it's luther both being a little bit depressed but also trying to learn how to be his own man and separate from his father yeah and you don't you don't really get he they they didn't know how to depict that exactly i think i think was part of their problem um because they, they wanted him to be comic relief, obviously. They tried to make him a funny character. Yeah. But he's also kind of depressed. Not kind of. He's, like, really fucking depressed this whole entire season. Yeah, because he finds out uh, he finds out uh, his uh, love interest is married. <laughs> so that also breaks his heart, too. There's the father. There's the daddy issues, and then there's that. The, well, there's, there's the daddy issues with Reginald. There's the daddy issues with the gangster. Oh, yeah. There's... Um, you know, yeah, Allison being married. There's, and it's just like this, like series of rejections for him, right? He gets rejected by Reginald twi- twice in the season. He gets rejected uh, by what's his name, Jack Ruby, yeah. the gangster. He gets rejected um, indirectly by Allison, and it's just like, you know, in, in season one, early on, he, you know, in his mind, he's like, I'm this great leader. I'm the, I'm number one. Which which is funny because it, it took me a while to pick up, but I was like, oh, their 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 numbers are just their power rankings, one being the lowest, seven being the highest. Do you think so? Oh, a hundred percent. Look at it. Luther is definitely the weakest of all of them. Uh, who who's the most powerful in the whole group? Well, they they play it out like seven is for sure. They that yeah, she definitely is, and, and then. Uh, we never really get to see how how powerful Ben is, but he's six. After after Ben, five is definitely the next most powerful. So and um, I think it's I think and the ones that were just are, are objectively the weakest are Luther and Diego. Yeah, but then then uh, during season two, Diego's abilities um, the, the, the he develops uh, like other abilities, and in, in addition to just being able to throw knives around, he can now like yes. We stops the bullets. There's that scene, and then um, uh huh. That, that's why he's more powerful than Luther. Yeah. Well, again, I I, I maybe that, that's what I, I that's know. what I think. I think that that the, the father was such a freaking sociopath and so emotionally distant that their numbers weren't even based on uh, the merits of his children or how you know how he related to them as individuals. It was just like, oh, you're. One through seven, set, this is the most powerful. Like I think it was real, literally just a ranking system because he was a, a, a uh, emotionally distant piece of shit. I dad. get, I get what you say. Like Luther's ability or power is like probably the most basic. There's nothing. There's not a lot of flashiness to it. I mean, he's just super strong and super big. 
but outside of that, like he hasn't developed any other. Well, he, he wasn't he wasn't even super big. That that was something separate. So what I don't like is, uh, like when I watch some of these. Uh, there's other YouTube videos that uh, the ending explained of uh, Umbrella Academy, blah blah blah. They always refer to the comic books, and and I don't, I I don't, I didn't, I've never read the comic books. But apparently in season two, Luther's supposed to have gotten really fat. Yeah, and you know what I bet? <laughs> you know what happened? I thought about that. This is what I thought about. I I didn't know that from the comic books, but like watching the, the you know the series. I'm like, oh, he's supposed to be really depressed, but they also want him to be comic relief. The only way to do that where it kind of works is you you get him really he, overweight. He and I bet it. they were like, those motherfuckers at Marvel already did it. If we <laughs> if we do that, they're gonna be like, oh, you're just copying Fat Thor. Exactly. So I think they I think they Marvel Marvel dicked him over. I wonder if Marvel stole that from the Umbrella Academy comic books. That'd be hilarious. I don't know. I'm, I maybe maybe the Umbrella Academy did borrow some aspects from Marvel and other comic books here and there. I don't know. Oh, I, well, they, I mean, they definitely did. Like a lot of Umbrella Academy stuff is is a little bit derivative of other comics, but they just give it its own feel and flavor, and that's I think that's fine. But going back to Luther, like he doesn't really ever take a step in any direction. He's just sort of this like sad sack. Like, oh, I've been rejected. And the what what it what it was supposed to be his moment, like of of a step forward to me was just so flat. Where you remember they have the fa- the, the family meeting where it's it's um, all them sort of confronting Reginald, right, right in the table. Yeah, and then like at the end, and again it was just such a pathetic moment. Like he pulls off his shirt, he's like, "Oh, look what you you did to me! How could you?" Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I mean it was just like. It's just he he never gets to have a moment like that was you know and then Al, the uh, Allison goes like oh wow I think that was the first time you ever stood up to dad I'm like that's yeah. not him standing up to him that's him being uh, even even more sort of a sad pathetic character and this is this is what I think they should have done and I think this this could have been such a simple twist you know he gets re- he gets rejected by his dad earlier in the season he gets. Um, you know, uh, rejected by the gangster, everything. And I think, I think for his, him to take the next step in his arc, he has to legitimately stand up to his dad. And if in that same meeting, instead of the the point being him pulling off his shirt, if it had been when, when, um, Reginald was just going in on Diego, do you remember that? Like, yeah, it's putting him down, making him, making him all sad pants. Yeah, he, he, he gives this big monologue because Diego says, well, you know, you, we know you're part of the assassination plot of JFK. And, and he goes, so can I know you have delusions of grandeur and you're nothing, you're worthless. You throw fancy yourself a hero. But it's like, and then, and then the whole old stutter starts to come back. He's like, you're, 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 it would have been amazing if he's trying to get out, you're wrong. And then like Luther stands up for him and goes, you finishes the sentence. He goes, "You're wrong." Like Diego risks his life, uh, his life to save other people, instead of sending little kids to do it for him. And that would have been that would have been okay. A huge step forward. It would have been kind of powerful too, especially having Luther a really legitimately stand up to his dad, and then b do it to protect Diego, right? Because there's always been that friction between them. Yeah. They're they're kind of two of them the more hot headed. One, you know, siblings in the group, and the the 
one of the themes of this whole season, this entire season, is that them as an entire group sort of coming together and being more of a unit. And I never felt like they really achieved that. Like they kind of make reference to it and they they just didn't do the legwork to make that happen. So like I thought that would have been a great sort of um a great moment for Luther, a great way for him to take a step forward in his arc. And then if after that, he does this really powerful moment where he stands up for his brother and, and kind of um, puts a burn on his dad. If then he puts up, pulls off his shirt afterwards and is like, look what you did to me. That would that'd be kind of funny because it's not, you sort of elevate him and then you can knock him back down. Like, I think it would have been even funnier if, uh, you know, he, he, he says that he's like legit just burns his dad and like, you know, even at, you know, Allison is like impressed. He's like, he's like, wow, like Luther, that that was probably the coolest you ever looked. And then he pulls off his shirt. And he's like, Dad, look what you did to me. I think if if uh, if Luther would have done that, what you said, mm-hmm. it would have it would have kind of played against his natural character in the sense that. But again, you got to remember, number one, number two are also not the brightest guys. I mean, number no. two is a hothead. Luther's an emotional, you know, wreck in a lot of ways. So for him to actually like put his brain cells together and come up with an actual good rebuttal to his dad or like put his foot down into his dad, that would have been against his. I think eventually the the character arc will lead for for Luther to lead him to that point. Like he's, you can tell that like like each as their whatever abilities are developing, they're also developing stronger characters and becoming a, a stronger unit, so to speak, and how to work together. So. I understand what you're saying, but I'm telling you from from the dialogue in that part, the writer's intentions were for him to stand up to his dad. Right. That's why they put that that you know line from Allison saying, "Wow, Luther, this I think that's the first time I've seen you stand up to dad." I'm just like, okay, if that's the case, then fucking have him stand up to him and and make it a little bit more powerful. I do think I do think that there's the writers just like Hargreaves. I think Hargreaves has. Like there's a master plan. Like there's like all this stuff is like I think the reason that Hargreaves is as cold and distant as as he is mm-hmm. is to flush out uh, a character or the characters in a in a in a in a, in a without lead uh, like without leading a horse to water kind of like you do it yourself you know kind of thing. I think he I think there's a reason why he's as cold and distant as as he is. Oh, Hargreaves for sure, but th- and that's the thing. He he's sort of the the um he he's the he's an antagonist for them in a lot of ways. He, yeah. He's he's the thing prodding them along. And the problem I have with Luther, Luther's character is is one I, I didn't like them that that they made him just just sort of like a, a walking punchline the whole episode or the whole series. That's that's fine. I mean, because he wa- that wasn't who he was in the first season. And then I think they were like, oh, that moment where, you know, we have him go out to the club and he's doing drugs. And he that's it's kind of funny because it, it, it's it's against character. He was this very serious, earnest, kind of loyal person. And now he's he's at the club, you know, dropping ecstasy. But that that aside, I think that he, his character is just static in season two. Like he doesn't really have development. Yeah, for for the most part, you're right. I do I do really think for me, one of the strongest um scenes or moments were when luther reaches out or he's trying to reach out to vanya for the first time like ha- like when he mm-hmm. realizes he's fucked up w- in season one and yes. he's like 
holy shit. He takes the, you know, he's got the gun with him and everything. And I, I don't know if his plans were to fucking shoot her or what, but, um, or maybe it was just for quote unquote self-defense against her if, if it needed to get to that point. But I think that, that scene with them too, or that, that series of scenes was, uh, one of the more powerful ones for, for Luther. I, I 100% agree. And that was another thing where they were set up and no payoff. So that, that was actually my last note with, with, uh, with with Luther was it said he also needs to reconcile with Fania because that that scene was great yeah. like they set up that he understands he did something you know he, he that what he was wrong that he he pushed her to it and that when you're when you're writing you you put a scene like that in early because there's going to be a reconciliation or a payoff mm-hmm. where he does something to show Vanya that he really does support her that he's got her back later on right and that just this just never happens. Yeah, you're right about that. That there is no real. She kind of just forgives him like a little too easy, <laughs> especially because she forgot all yeah. the shit. And and like, they start feeding her information through the second se- se- uh, season about what yeah. actually happened, and they don't actually give it to her all at once. And uh, but yeah, there was never really like a, yeah, like an I got your back and let me show it kind of moment. I, I give them a, a, a D a D minus for, for the handling of Luther's character. Oh. Just of of Luther's character. I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved especially the scene where he's like he's like eating barbecue and he's got like six plates in front of him and he's like Yes. And then uh, and then that's when Allison uh he reconnects with Allison for the first time. But you see, you have to remember for me, like some people are like, Oh, he's he's depressed and I'm like, No, that's just what that's just what you do. Yeah. You just <laughs> you just eat giant plates plates of food like you you've uh, not had a meal in, in a week. That's that's normal. So I didn't I, I had to sort of re register that. I the one thing it's weird. I wish if if they were gonna try to meet you know, make Luther a meme, I wish they'd really, really played into the Rocky thing. Because they kind of oh, when he was running and he eats shit, yeah. But but just just do that, like, because Rocky is kind of like a, a a sort of dopey, sad, but also simultaneously funny character, right? Um, I don't know how they would have done that, but that was the one part where like where they're kind of memeing on Luther, where I was like, okay, that works, I like that. And then, but okay, so mo- moving on from from Luther, I thought they did a a better handling. Of Diego's character, but they still, again, could have done much better. So, I mean, I didn't like his hair. I think his his fucking <laughs> caveman <laughs> hair your, it drove me fucking issue? yeah. It drove me wild. Like what the fuck, dude? It drove you wild, oh. <laughs> or in a bad way, not like that. You know what I mean? It just it it, it that infuriated me more than anything. It was stupid hair. It was fucking caveman hair. Do do you not like it when Antonio Banderas wears his hair long? Is that a, is that a no no no? Issue but Banderas, see, Banderas, long hair was more camped, whereas fucking Diego had like caveman shit going. It was it was it didn't. I didn't get it. I know he was locked up in a in a nut house in an asylum for a while, so that that kind of well, and that's that's one where I agree. So a lot of times, again, that that's just sort of uh, writers will use a a visual signal for um, you know deeper emotional problems, right? And like I think that'd have been fine if he had he had started that um you know and he he had the unkempt hair when he's in the asylum and at some point there's sort of a turn for him where he goes from being this sort of crazy like i have to go out and stop the assassination and i have to and he starts to get his shit together and then he's like yo i gotta get my my haircut i have to i have to um get stuff together because it's funny for 
for guys, I don't think that holds as much symbolism for us. Like, I don't know about you. Like, I would just go into the barbershop and be like, cut my hair. And like, they'd be like, what do you, well, what kind of haircut do you want? I'm like, I don't know, just shorter. And then they'd be, show me a picture. Do you want this one? Okay. Yeah. Like, that's how I got my haircut freshman year of college. Um, Cause I had like, I had uh, the, a, a, my lacrosse team senior year of high school had all wanted to dye our hair for the playoffs. And I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> Fine. I'll do it. And then I never bothered to like cut it or dye it back. So like, I just had all this like yellow, like, like, like crap in my hair as it had grown out. Why don't I remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't think you, you probably didn't meet me at that okay. point. I just had like these, like, like basically it ended up being like blonde, like tips, not even tips because it was more than tips as my hair was growing out. And, uh, and then I finally, I just went into a barbershop. I'm just, just like, and they're like, I just said, just cut it however you want. We're short enough to get all this crap off. And they're like, okay. See, I cut my own hair. Or I used to. Good for you. And now, and I still do now, but not that there's hair. I just, you know. But the, the point I was trying to make is for, for guys, and, I, and you know, for me in particular, your hair and getting a haircut was never that big of a deal. But I, I've, I learned uh, through coaching that for, for girls, especially 20 something <laughs> girls, it's a huge deal yeah. where like, if they, even if like they dye their hair a different color or there's, there's like a, a pretty drastic haircut, it's like, Oh fuck. Like what's going on with their lives? Just, just be aware and sensitive that this might mean there was a big change. And like, I remember, um, this, this was like this was a, a girl named uh, Melanie or she went by Mel that I was training like like doing strength and conditioning training with and she she had had like dyed blonde hair like kind of like platinum blonde and then like one day she walks in with just like jet black hair and I was just Uh-oh. like in like my head I'm like oh exactly oh fuck like what happened like someone died like what's going on and I even at the, at that point I was comfortable enough where I'm like oh I'm just gonna ask people about it and I was just I was like oh hey Mel like your your hair looks really good but I, I just want to know did like something happen like are you okay I know sometimes um you know that can that can signal a big change in your life and she was like oh no no it's actually it was really good like I've decided that I'm gonna I want people to take me more seriously like I'm in this honors program and I should be one of the top students and I want people to take me seriously. And when I have walking around with platinum blonde hair, like I don't think that looks professional and this is closer to my natural hair color. And I've decided that I'm really going to like focus on my studies and like, yeah. And I forget what she wanted to do. She wanted to, you know, uh, work towards a certain career goal. And she thought that this, this was a change. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like good for you, Mel. Like that makes sense. That, yeah. Cause there is the, Blonde, blondes, that kid was awesome. Blondes do have a stigma that they're, you know, that they're not the brightest people in the world. So I, I, I get, I get you. I understand why that that but, logic. But I, I don't know about you. I would never think about cha- dyeing my hair as a sort of uh, career mechanism, like or or a, a way to, because like men just don't have to think about stuff like that. So anyhow, going back to Diego, that that him him going back to a different haircut. What could have been a nice way to show a change in his mentality, right? But that that also didn't didn't happen. And um, the 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 thing, and it's it's funny. It's funny that I brought up uh, Mel and, and and the women men thing because I think Diego's two issues are one, he has this like sort of like lone wolf mentality. I mean, I think that's how he he, he phrases it. He's like, I'm I'm a lone wolf. I don't I don't have anybody else in my pack. With the, with and the ex- two. 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, with the exception of his love interest, because in season one he had that cop, and then she eventually dies. And sort then, of. And then season two, you know. The, the so. Go ahead. So, so that that was yeah. We're 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 right on the same page because my my thing with with Diego's was one his lone wolf mentality and two issues with women. Yes. And his mom, you know, his his same thing with with his mom. His mom helped him, you know, to, uh, get out of the stutter. So, okay, his his quote unquote mom, and this this is just the the closest, most affectionate relationship with a woman that Diego has ever had was with a a mechanical robot. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Not not figuratively, not not a a closed off emotionally distanced woman, a literal robot. Um and and I think you see that play out because that that was one of the the, the things that I would have had as a criticism uh, criticism in season 1 was was yeah, he has this relationship with a detective, but like if you actually look at the way that we, they relate to each other and the way they speak to each other, it's like there's no tenderness. I mean, and I understand it, it's it's you know post relationship. They're not together anymore, but it's just like all like snarky commentary and comebacks and like yeah. it's very antagonistic. But again, it's like I don't. It's I don't think he knows how to relate to other people and particularly women because like the one woman he had any sort of connection with was a literal robot, and she was and she was. Uncon- because she was a robot, she was unconditionally always super kind and tender towards him. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have to be, he didn't have to uh, reciprocate. He, he, she would just, you know, whatever he dished yep. out, she took. And exactly. uh, and when he's out there with these women, um, he forgets that he's got to reciprocate. It can't all be always be those snarky comments. But I do, I do like. <laughs> it, it makes it endears him to to like uh, yeah. to me that he's like a little bit of a cocky shithead in some ways and yes you know well well and then, and here's the thing i i really think that they understood his arc a little bit better and they kind of got to it because at the end right he he has always been rebellious against their dad he's always like he's a fucking asshole you know screw him but at the end of this this season two this is the first time where he really looks at it where he's like you know what it's not just me like he wants, and he wants to throw out the entire numbering system because he kind of, I think, gets an understanding of what it represents. And he's like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, we're team zero. Yeah, I like that's that. The fir- that's, that's the first. That's the It was it was funny, but it was all, it was it was good because I thought it was funny and it was also legit character development. Yeah. Uh, development because he he's actually for the first time talking about them as a team, which again was why I thought it would have been great if Luther had actually backed him up a little bit. Um, but the the other thing that I would have I would have um, really liked to see from Diego in this season that they didn't do was him him actually make a real effort to drop his protective shell because that's the other part of it. I think I think what we're talking about the snarky comments like him kind of being a dick to to women. I I think he he is supposed to be somewhat of a, a vulnerable character. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, he's got that stutter. Again, that's sort of a, um, a character device where they're showing that, yeah, he, he's a badass. He, he, but he, at the, he kind of at his core, he's got this sort of little instability. And I think he really, I mean, not, I think like he really has a front with people, right? He always wants to seem tough, wants to seem together. And I thought it would have been great if he, 
try to drop that protective shell around Lila and really like kind of like let her in a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I don't I don't think her her love for him at the end of the series was really like earned exactly. It was sort of like well like they they like whammed a little bit and she did have a soft spot she for loves him, him. she did have she did have a, yeah because remember when 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 she was when uh when the handler told lila okay i want you to form this force or this mm-hmm. defense and lila picked uh diego like she could have easily yes taken him out you know that was if if the handler had her way she would have told lila to just kill the guy i think she did tell him to just kill the guy yes um and 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 I think plot wise that all that all works and was good for the plot. But in terms of character development, I think that plot point had to be earned more. So what, what I'm saying is like I think Diego needed to do something to justify why Lila had a soft spot for him. Does that make sense? Yes. 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 Well, then and, then and it could have it it could have been short. We also don't know how long. What maybe like a year, give or take, that they were they were in the asylum together because by the time we pick off a pickup where with Lila and Diego in the, uh, in the, like the, the penitentiary asylum thing, um, they had already gotten to know each other a little bit. You know, there was, there was that, that one of the mm-hmm. very beginning scenes where she like dares them to do something. He's like, I bet you won't do it. And he's like, watch this. And he, he takes the pen and all that nonsense. You, you get the sense that they knew each other from the asylum, but I don't think either one of them was very open because there's, there's that one scene where where they're talking and she she Lila opens up to Diego about her parents being murdered in front of him and he's like wow you never talked mm-hmm. about that in group but that would have been an excellent opportunity for him to really try to open up to her and say right. something genuine even even say about how he kind of feels about her um, and I think it would have been fine if he, he tried and he failed a little bit. And, and this, this is just a, uh, this is, this is me doing my, my own little sort of writing in my head. I think it would have been great if again, working along that theme of, he realizes he has to ask people for help. He can't just be a lone wolf. I, I love if I would like, I would have loved it if he tried to open up to, to, to Lila, he couldn't quite do it. And he actually goes to Allison for relationship advice. Oh, okay. She's the only, only other woman that's been in his life. And she's, she's, you know, at least from, from mistakes made probably has some, some good, good ideas and more uh, knowledge on relationships than he did. And I, I just think that would have been, it would have been an opportunity for him to connect with, with Allison. He could have connected with Luther, via that family meeting scene and then that would have really started to make this sort of little access where he could once when he had that idea of okay we're team zero then it would have made a lot more sense to me i don't know i like how he he tried to have like a, it wasn't a secret handshake but it was like a fist bump type of deal <laughs> I was, did i completely miss that what, what what was it well the team zero thing was like a fist bump like they put their hands together they were all supposed to like team zero it didn't really work out but he tried to get that, make that a thing. Who was it that had? Actually, it was Diego. I think at the very toward the end of the season, and I forget the I forget the the character's name, but the guy that eventually becomes the uh, commissioner of the uh, whatever the little Herb Herb, the little geeky guy, right? Yeah, Herb, Herb was was Herb and Diego did have a, a handshake. Character. You remember that secret? He did. That yes. was the funniest <laughs> fucking thing. 
Like, when the fuck did these two assholes have the time to, like, like, uh, you know, develop that handshake together? They were always, like, w- w- when they were working in the commission, they weren't. That's that's one where, like, it, it's not essential to the plot and it was just funny. So I don't even question stuff like that. I'm like, that that's just them having fun with it. Like, and I'm like, I, I remember seeing them do the handshake. I'm like, ha, that's yeah, hilarious. No, it, was, good. it was good. It was awesome. Um, I don't, I don't nitpick everything, just big overarching, um, you know, character development issues or plot issues. Um, oh, and then, okay. And here, and this was another great, uh, a great opportunity missed, I guess, was with, I think, Allison, um, because her, her struggle is just a continuation of season one, right? Like she doesn't really understand how to productively use her rumor powers. She she feels like every time she uses her rumor abilities, like it it just backfires. It doesn't it doesn't yes. end well. Which to to me the 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 way that she starts to work towards that seems so obvious, right? Because so far, like how how have we seen her use her powers? Like what has she actually done with them? Nothing really big. I mean, they in season one they talked about how she you know that's how she developed. Uh, her family and her 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 whatever she was an actress or something like she used her abilities to to get to personal gain, per, personal gain and basically like exploding heads. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, so it's 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 she's used her her powers both selfishly and and destructively. Those are the two ways we've seen her use right. it. And um, I thought it would have been really really interesting because. Her character in season two is rooted in the civil rights movement, right? It's like her her husband is a civil rights activist. Right. You know, she's she's a, a black woman in 1960s Texas. So that being such a central part of her character, there was also a similar struggle going on in the civil rights movement. If you think about it, there was this this um, d- debate, this this struggle between one side of the movement that wanted to be nonviolent. They wanted to be peaceful. And then there was the other side where it was, you know, Malcolm X, the black, black Panthers are like, fuck you. We're going to hit you back. And it's like, you could really understand, I I think the perspective of both sides. I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm not making a value judgment, but the way they set up her, her character, her husband's character and her arc, I thought it would have been such a great step for her character to see her, use her powers in a kind and productive way. Something that wasn't for self, uh, you know, self gain and wasn't trying to physically hurt somebody. And it's like you, you have that shopping spree where that's like (laughs) kind of in a little weird gray area. That, that was a fun scene. I thought it was, it was really just, you know, uh, satisfying to see, to see them just be like, fuck all your racism. Like we're getting whatever we want in the store. Like, um, but then she goes right back to using her powers violently, and like that would have been su- such a turn. I don't know if it had to necessarily be in that scene, but if if she used it in a, in a way that was more in keeping with the nonviolent uh, wing of the civil rights movement, Were you talking Does that about, you're talking about the scene where she makes a guy she rumors the guy into pouring a cup of hot coffee and like a, the hot coffee yeah. spills all over his hand. And he, you know, yeah, she could have. But see, that's again, that's 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 her. That's probably her character flaw if she's got any. Because outside of that, what what she's not a very flawed character like the rest of them. So, 
So her flaw is that she does use the rumor ability in 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 more often than not shitty ways. There's only a few yes. times there's only a few times where she tries to use them for quote unquote good and like the one time she tried to use it toward the end to stop Lila, you know, Lila you know I guess bounces it back to her and yeah, but she was still she still wasn't using it in, in like a really peaceful right. kind, kind of uh, nonviolent method. It was still um, she was using it against somebody, not to help somebody. And the 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 thing is, it, the whole the whole way character development works is characters have flaws, and then things happen in the course of the story and the plot where they start to to grapple with those flaws and then eventually overcome them. So it's like you don't have to she doesn't have to completely get over that, but there had to, I really felt like there needed to be at least one small moment, one small gesture in, in this this season where she takes a step forward. Maybe she doesn't get, you know, complete it's not like oh, you know, I just snap my fingers and now I know how to use the powers and I'm just a I use them for for good and, and just reasons, but we never got that. She she again, she went from the first season where she's like, "Well, I never use my powers because I use them off-screen and bad stuff happened." To season 2 of all I also never use my powers to then going right back to using them in the ways that didn't work out productively right. in the first place. And I'm like, it's like I, I I really and again, I really thought with how rooted they uh, uh they had her character in the civil rights movement, there could have been a really powerful way to make a commentary on that that struggle that the movement was going to, through. I think, uh, I think if there was a quote unquote positive good way to use her rumor ability, it would have been when she had to cut ties with her husband. Instead of like leaving him a fucking note, I, I would have said I heard a rumor that I would have, as a, if I were a writer, right? I would have said uh, I heard a rumor that you forgot. Uh, all about our marriage or something along the line so that way she, she he forgets but in a in a peaceful ma- manner and not like in a like shitty bye that would make sense ex- except they had that scene where he specifically said he he didn't want to forget cuz she actually she actually brought that up if you remember she was going to do that and he was like no fuck that like i want to remember all of it um and then you know what that that's a, that's a really good point though. It could have been interesting cuz cuz again that that making someone forget that's sort of manipulative. It's like men in like black. Controlling it's like them. that fucking flashy light yeah. thing. So it would have been interesting if in that in that scene where like she's going she wants to rumor him into forgetting and he says no I don't want to forget and she's like okay fine then I heard a rumor that you're going to live your best life every day or something like yeah. that. Something positive something good. where, where it's not, it doesn't benefit her. It doesn't manipulate him exactly. It just sort of, um, lifts him up. Right. So, so that was, that was Allison. Um, I think she's, do, do you think she's attractive? I think she's hot. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a fan of the show. I think she's hot all of a sudden. Uh, it doesn't really do it for me, but I didn't think she was pretty in season one, but in season two, I don't know. Something about her in season two. I was like, "Hey, baby, hey, baby." I don't know. I, <laughs> That's the horn dog in me. Sorry. <laughs> so, so, like, full disclosure, uh, there there are like many black women that I find attractive, but I don't know why. Just in general, like, I don't find as many black women attractive. So I don't. That might just be some weird personal. I to, to me for there was a while when like I first realized that I was like oh fuck like am I racist and then I was like no 
No, I think it's more just like some people like brunettes over blondes yeah, or yeah. like redheads. Like I think it's just sort of like that for me. Because because I was I really did have that thought where like I mean, was I racist this whole time? And I'm like, no, I think it's just um, it's just a preference. Because and I thought about it, I'm like, no, there's a lot of black women that I definitely think are hot. So it's not. I, I've only I've only had I've only ever once had like a. a a chance at one uh, black girl in college and it never really went anywhere. It was like, it was flirty, flirty on both sides, but it never really developed into anything uh, beyond that. But I, I was into in college. I was into anything that was into me. I was, I was especially into white chicks because white chicks were exotic to me. You know what I mean? They were uh, having gone to Montebello high. It's like 90% Hispanic, you know, and 10% everything out Asian and everything else. So to me, like a white chick was like, ooh, exotic. So, and there was a lot of them in Whittier College. So, the, the, those tropical exotic white. Well, chicks. to me, dude. To me, come on. Just like <laughs> I understand. Just like I understand if I went to, if I went to any other, if, or if you or I went to any other country other than America, we'd we'd be. Uh, I'm sure women would find us attractive. Like the local women would find us attractive. Oh, there's this Mexican guy. This white guy from North America. You know, like it's just exotic for them. Anyway, I think she's hot. No, that, that's that's fine. I, you you're allowed. <laughs> I mean, I think she's supposed she's the the character is supposed to be attractive. Yeah. Like, well, I didn't in season um, one again. Season one for something about her in season one, I didn't find attractive. But maybe she maybe she grew on me. Her looks grew on me. I don't know if that's a thing. Okay. Um, I think that's definitely a thing, but. Moving on to Klaus. to Klaus, um, <laughs> I, I love him. I, I still I, love him. He's fucking awesome. Oh yeah, he's 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 still he's still my favorite character. He's another one where I I really I think that 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 one moment where he took a step forward just wasn't entirely there. But for for Klaus, like I think his issue is just accepting responsibility. Like the way I think about him is is you know the. The uh, the scene in the first Spider-Man movie where Uncle Ben goes to, to Peter Parker, he's like, with great power comes great responsibility. And Spider-Man's like, oh, that sounds like a lot. I'm, I'm going to go to the club and take ecstasy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fuck this great responsibility stuff. I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. Like, that's kind of Klaus. And um, you, he, he, he really did have some great moments in, in this season, both I thought with trying to come to grips with, with uh, dealing with young Dave, his love interest. Oh God. And, and also just his relationship with, with Ben, his deceased ghost brother. Like, but like, I never, that moment where he was like, I'm going to take responsibility for something never really manifested. I like, I like how he's like, when they're getting back together and they ask him is Ben here he's like oh no uh, ghost can't time travel and Ben's like what the fuck dude I'm right here uh, yeah that was it was kind of a fucked up relationship that actually bothered me too that was the one part I'm like Klaus what the fuck man yeah. like he's he's dead he's lingering in the afterlife you're his only point of contact and you are literally denying his existence yeah. like you piece of shit Klaus yeah, kind of fucked up but he doesn't. That's the thing. He doesn't want to take responsibility for anything. He doesn't want responsibility for his role in, in 
keeping Ben, you know, tethered to to the the earthly world. He doesn't want to re- take responsibility for his cult. Yeah, that cult that he started, that whole thing, like he tr- I guess he tried to. He d- he did he try, did try to, and that was good. That was yeah. But when it didn't work out, when he tried to end his cult and it didn't work out, he kind of just shrugged his shoulder. Was like, eh, oh well, I tried. <laughs> and and that's that's fine. I mean, that, again, in in character development. That's part of it. It's like the characters need to try and fail before they succeed, because it would be it'd be very uh, boring if every character was like, "Oh, I can't do this thing. I'm gonna try it. Oh, I did it. Okay, yeah, easy." Um, so the, this is this is the one place because I was trying to think of like if I was if I was just doing uh, short like writing tweaks where I where I would give him his moment. I think if you remember at the very end, like they've they've. Um, you know, stopped apocalypse number two. Uh, and they're all trying to like game plan. And Vanya's Vanya's basically saying, I have to go back to the, to this farm. Like, um, Harlan needs me, whatever. And she's asking for their help. And they, they all just sort of shrug her off. And the show, the way it plays out is they just sort of shrug her off. We're like, no, we've got Vanya. We've got more important things to deal with. Right. And like one, I'm like, have you guys not realized you can't just ignore Vanya? Yeah. Like that's not, it's not a fucking option. Like, Come on, like this is you. We fucked this up twice now. Like you can't, you can't keep making the same mistake. But then Vanya goes out into the to the car and she's gonna leave. And Klaus shows up and it's just like, oh, okay. Wait. And there's really no explanation on why there is this change of mind. And then they all just randomly show yeah. up. Which so like, I think I think the writers had it in their head that. Okay, well, Klaus is going to be the one that kind of breaks with this. Like, he's going to be the one that goes out first. But then, if that's the case, then like in in that same scene, like ha- have him stand up to the rest of the family because most of them don't take him seriously. Under understandably, like they 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 just they don't understand the uh, the the tragic depths that is Klaus and his struggle. But like, give him a chance to say like, like no, like you know, we can ignore our responsibilities with some things, you know, whether it's our cults, or hygiene, or like the, the time space <laughs> continuum, or whatever the fuck. It's like, but we don't ignore our responsibilities with family. And then he just leaves to like go talk to Vanya. Like that would have been a powerful moment. Like him basically, like again, particularly because it is a little bit, it's off character. Like when when just like when we were saying like with Luther, it's like that's sort of against type having those moments where you break type, it really stands out. And we have had, we've seen him struggling with responsibility. I think they set that up well. He tries to take responsibility for his cult. He can't, he tries to, 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 um, you know, save Dave. He can't. And if at this last moment, he's like, all right, like, fuck this. Like, I'm not going to be a, a, you know, a goofy, um, you know, sort of comic relief here like i'm gonna take this seriously i, I, I think that would have said a lot i do like the scene where they're in the hair salon they're all getting fucked up together it's like it's the girls night yes. out it's like klaus uh allison and uh vanya vanya <laughs> and yeah they're getting fucked up twisting the night away yeah yeah that's such a good scene i like those scenes i like how they they intersplice these scenes they did it in season one as yes. well um where they're kind of not, not quite musical you couldn't call them musical because they're not singing but they they tie in the theme of the song that's playing in the background with something that's going on in the plot, and it's it, so perfect. It's, it's usually dance related. So like in in season one, the the one the scene that I remember that was the closest parallel, but I also felt fit a little bit better was 
when they were all in the they're all in the Hargraves mansion after their dad died, right. and they're all in separate rooms. They're isolated from each other. There's like physical walls separating yeah. them, and then I, I can't remember the song, but it was something like like to the to the uh, vein of like we're finally alone yeah, think, or like I now we're all we're alone. alone. I think we're alone now. Alone now, yeah. <laughs> and then and they're all dancing. It's like they're they're separate. They're walled off, but they're connecting over being alone, which yeah. is, it's, I thought that was thematically a, a great scene. It tied into, to the plot. It tied into character development and it was a fun scene. The twisting the night away scene. I remember watching it and being like, Oh, this is a fun scene. It doesn't really work other than just being a fun scene. Like there, there's not as many levels that this is firing on. Ah, but fuck it. Yeah. This is fun. I also liked in season one, the, the scene where, uh, where Luther and Allison have their moment and they're dancing outside and it's kind of like a romantic type mm-hmm. of deal. That was a cool one. That was well, very well set. You know, the lighting and everything was was good. Well, and do you remember the song that was playing? Again, very thematically relevant. I, I, man, I know I love... It was, it was like Under the Moonlight. Yeah, yeah. Dancing in the Moonlight. Yeah, moonlight. something like that. Yeah. No, it was yeah, such a good song as well. Uh, but with with... Again, what the moon for Luther represented isolation, right. it, being apart, like, and now, I mean, to have, so that song I thought was extremely appropriate. Twisting the Night Away is just a fun song. I don't know if it, you really have to stretch to, to make an argument for that. Yeah. A, you know, thematically advancing the story. Yeah. Um, the other one. The, wait, the, let's, let's, let, wait, let's, let's hold on. Cause I have a whole list of favorite oh, okay. scenes. Yeah, yeah. So, so like those are the two things because like I was gonna do it in reverse order. I wanted to talk about all the scenes that I loved because there were so many scenes in season two that I I'm like this was a great scene. I just loved it. But then uh, we we started with with going Characters. through all the yeah. the siblings. So I wanted to I wanted to finish that. Um, so we were talking about Klaus. I don't know if you had anything else to add with Klaus. That was it. I just wanted I just wanted him to even if it was one small thing where he really sort of took responsibility for it and wasn't just this ne'er-do-well sort of druggy comic relief um and then so so that's that's klaus then five i five is a weird one for me because i'm like like one like i I like him as a character i think the kid who plays him does a phenomenal job aiden something but on the flip side like five's only motivation is like he wants to save the world. And I'm like, when I look at his character, I'm like, I think five is a sociopath. Like, well, either you need, either you need to really establish that as part of his character, or he needs to have some sort of internal struggle about all the shit he's done and have some regrets. He, he does. I forget what, what scene or, but he does mention that the reason he's doing all this is to save his family too. So he is the one guy that, um, I think they all have a little bit of it in them, but I think, I think, uh, because five, five could have very easily said, fuck it, you know, continue to work for the commission and, and just be on his merry way, have that be his career or whatever the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. But he decided to go back for his family. Well, and it, it makes sense that he would be a little bit unhinged or, or a lot yeah. unhinged, right? Because he was just a kid when he teleports into the future, into the apocalypse. He immediately sees that his entire family has been dead and he's just by himself, well, with his with his mannequin, that was one of the funniest jokes. Where 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 Klaus where Klaus was like, he's like, yeah, the most productive long term relationship that anyone in this family has had was when Five was banging that mannequin. <laughs> 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 that, 
That was one of the best jokes. But it's like, yeah, he was alone for, what was it, like 40 or 50 years yeah. by himself in the future, just obsessing about everything, trying to get back and save his family. So, like, I, I get it. Like, that that sort of obsession makes sense. But it would be it would have been, to me, it would have been nice this season to see some of the regrets about the things that he did as an assassin for the commission start to creep in, yeah. you know, some, I mean, he just, he just decimates, not even decimates that it would have been actually, no, the actually decimate was the perfect word. He decimates the entire board. Quick, quick oh, yeah. vocab lesson decimate. If there are 10 people that would be killing nine of them. Um, we don't really use the word correctly, but decimate means by taking things down by, a t- by uh, a power of 10. Mm. Okay. That's that's just the the origin of the word. Deca, it's deca ten. So if 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 there was a population of a hundred, you'd kill ninety of them and leave ten alive. Decimate. Good, good. Uh, but he did. I, I think I think there were. I, there might have been. I'm I'm gonna just pretend that there were actually <laughs> ten people in the commission, and he only left the uh, the goldfish alive. Yeah. That care. But like he. There's zero remorse over that. He just just kills all of them, and he's like, "Well, I had to do it to save my yeah. family." Just is what it is. I like that character too. I don't know something. I wish they would have. I wish he would have lived. The goldfish character guy. The goldfish. Yeah, he was a good character. Um, he smokes cigarettes. So, so the <laughs> the fuck a cigarette that smokes yeah. cig- uh, a goldfish that smokes cigarettes. Well. It was just, just the imagery was so was so cool. Like it, it had this very um, sort of uh, su- surrealist sort yeah. of uh, it, you know it it, fe- it felt like like um, you know the oh god who are the artists I think it was Mar- no not Marcel Duchamp I can't remember the the artist who who has that that uh, man with just an apple right in front of his face and Salvador Dali like got together to design a character and they they came up with that guy. Yeah, good character. I liked it. But but as far as five goes, this is what I would have liked to see. I would have liked them to see them working a little bit more, reg- you know, regrets for him about his life as an assassin, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, particularly because I, I think that would have made the scene, which was one of my favorite scenes where, where young five fights <laughs> old, older, physically older <laughs> that five. One. That's another one where there's music. But that would have been... Yeah, it was good music, but it would have been so much more symbolic if it was if it was really about him fighting this past life, like literally, you know, fighting against not just the person but what he did. And it wouldn't have been that hard to work in a few things here or there where you can tell he's not happy with what he did as an assassin. So then, when he's fighting that literal assassin, it's it would, I think it would have been a lot more powerful. Yeah. Where you could kind of it wouldn't it wouldn't have just been a well I have to beat him so we can move on with the plot it would have been like I have to somehow defeat this past version of myself literally and 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 physically. What was uh, um, I'm trying to remember the song that was because that was another scene that there was they were playing a, a song I think it was like dancing with myself or it was something along those lines. I, I'm trying to that 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 seems like it would be right that would fit. Yeah, but it was such a good. It was such a good scene, and <laughs> meanwhile, JFK is gonna get shot in like a few minutes, and they're like fighting each other. Uh, well, that was that was one of my favorite. That was top five favorite scene for me for sure. Yeah. Um, but then here's the other thing: if he did have regrets about what he did, that would have completely changed his dynamic with Lila, and I would have I would have liked to see him express regret to her. Right. 
and and basically say like I I'm that's not something I'm proud of like I want to make it up to you and I think in that last scene where he's fighting her basically him refuse to fight her like really fight her like just just basically have a, a teleport tag where like he won't actually try to fight her and him 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 basically saying like that he knows what it's like to be alone because he did grow yeah. up mostly alone and and that was her struggle right like she had the same exact upbringing as all of them the difference was she didn't have six other right. siblings to go through it with it was just her being raised the same way just to be a weapon and not have anyone else to rely on and him and him saying to her like like I understand more than any of them what you went through like but you don't have to be the lone like you know be alone like I'll be the big brother you never had cuz that that would have been now two points of contact for her where she makes that decision at the end where that she wants to join their yeah. family cuz it's like if she is if she is a stronger relationship with Diego and then five kind of puts out that olive branch. I think her making that decision would make a lot more sense. Five's such a good. That, that five's was, such a good character. He's such a. The actor is such a cool actor too. I saw. Oh yeah, he he does a phenomenal job. That that's what sells it. I think if you could have had a dozen other child actors that would have just fucking butchered it, and he would have been a terrible character. But he just sells it. He's got so much swagger. Yeah, he's got swagger, and he's got that look, uh, like that kind of like. Like he's he doesn't it's uh, his look doesn't have to stretch the uh, the imagination too far to, to make him believable into being an asshole. Like his maybe it's his eyebrows or his brow, his scowl. He just has a perfect um, perfect actor for that for that role. And and all that being said, I think they could have just given his character a little bit more nuance and subtext, and it would have been even better. I like I like that other scene where after they have that meeting with Hargreaves there at the restaurant he's like you with the uh, with whatever outfit I want to talk to you you seem to be the, the most sensible one or whatever and then he he calls him old man and he they're drinking whiskey or whatever it was scotch I I I love this this scene prior to them fighting to to young five and old five fighting where they're just in the pub talking yeah. because I I thought whoever played the older five also did a great job. Because he was, it was, it was, it was a young kid playing an old. It was, it was a boy playing a man playing a boy, and then you had a man playing an older version of that boy. Like yeah. the, the, the 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 layers of acting was really interesting, and it was just it was the, the the interpretations they both had was I thought were were excellent. Like it did feel like it was two different you know versions of the same yeah. person. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, I think I think I got my math a little bit wrong in the the boy playing a boy playing a man playing a. But you you understood what I was trying to say, right? Yeah, no, I, I get what you're trying to say. Um, so that 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 goes to to uh, number six, ben. ben. That was the one character I'm like, that was perfect. Like you guys didn't need to do anything different. He had a full character arc. Like he he had development. I mean, Ben's Ben's scene via Klaus was was one of my my top three. Definitely top five in the whole show, and which one? Which one? He, in particular? He, oh, the one where he takes uh, w- w- the, the possession gotcha. scene. Okay. Yeah, talks to his girlfriend. That was a great scene, and then and then also, I mean, we we kind of learned that he his he was afraid to move on. Like he was still kind of he was the one clinging on, and then he he saves Vanya. He he prevents apoc- the apocalypse by literally going into the light. Like there's that. That scene with him 
trying to save Vanya where, you know, there, there's this radiating bright, bright light and he's, he's literally walking into it. It's like, wow, like that was really well done. Like good job writers. Like you, you, I thought they just nailed it with that character. I, I was, I, I was, no I was struggling with the idea that they were no longer going to have Ben as a character. I was like, fuck, you're writing him mm-hmm. off. That fucking sucks. He's a good actor. His, his character is a good character. His relationship with Klaus like really rounds out Klaus as a as a as a character. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're gonna write him off the show. That's fucking dumb. And then they, you know, the the surprise season two finale. You're like, oh no, Ben's not written off. He's like, <laughs> he's a an alternate reality leader to uh, this Sparrow Academy. Yeah. I hope they bring back the original Ben though. I, ho- I hope like the, I hope that Ben. Ghost Ben comes back some way, same some shape, I, some form. I I understand what you're, you're saying because it, it, the, the the dynamic between him and Klaus was really good. But on the flip side, I'm like, no, nah, there has to be repercussions for what happens. And I thought he, they really did have a nice, fin, you know, conclusion to that version of Ben's character arc. And it's like you gotta you gotta let him go or. You you end up in that superhero territory where everybody has plot armor. There's no repercussions for anything, and it's just like, okay, like you died, but oh now he's back. It's no big deal. He's got to come back in season three as like a superhuman dead Ben. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to see him back, but we'll we'll see what happens. I I I think I think that it will be fun for that actor. This this different version of Ben who never died and. He's still he's still at the core probably the same person and it's going to be this whole new dynamic though so that, that that's going to be interesting to see particularly how him and, and Klaus relate to each other uh, in season three um, and then that I think I said only leaves Vanya uh, and that was another one where like season season one her her character development her arc was was very interesting and. Uh, and definitely powerful. I mean, where she she goes from being this sort of helpless, ordinary nobody to the, the the powerful force that destroys the world. And similarly, I could see what they were setting up for her to grapple with, but I, I felt like they just had a bunch of missed opportunities in season. Do you two. think? Do you think Vanya is? And not and that doesn't really matter too much, but I'm just curious your your opinion. Um, do you think Vanya is full on a lesbian or is she bi or is she just doesn't know what the fuck's going on? Well, that's the thing, right? Like they don't give us enough information because in, in season one, she, she's in a, a heterosexual relationship. And then because uh, and that was the, I so I know that Ellen Page, the actress, yeah, is, is yeah. gay, um, you know, and I was I was I think made some some jokes about. Uh, her demanding that the character Vanya has to dress exactly like real world lesbian Elgin Page, <laughs> and but like being that was something that I was aware of. Like obviously, you know, she she can play whatever sexual orientation she wants. I mean, in, in you know her most famous role, uh, Juno, she she was, um, you know, in a heterosexual relationship and, and carrying a baby to term. But so like, well, I don't know. My, Michael Sarah's got some feminine features, so I don't know if you could call it. Hundred percent hetero. <laughs> it, it's I don't I don't know if there's feminine features. It's more like, oh God, I don't I don't want to get into this territory. And it's like it's more like he's like prepubescent okay. than he than female. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, um, but 
that see that was one of the things to me that was a little bit confusing because season one I was like oh I wonder you know is is her character gonna be a, be a lesbian like that there she's dressing like that and then she she's dressing like Ellen Page dresses so I thought she might and then and then that doesn't seem to be the case she's got a heterosexual relationship and I'm like okay whatever she just that's just how she likes to dress it doesn't really matter and then in season two it's like well wait I guess she's she's bisexual now like we, there wasn't like any setup or sort of broaching of that or it just it was just like you know and there's there's even um you know some line where it was like where she's like yeah there's not a place for women like me and i'm like what what does that mean you haven't given us yeah enough context like what what women what what what's it like like what like so i i mean i i guess i assumed that she was she was bisexual but what i thought they should have done was have just a little bit more where she's sort of grappling with that, um, you, you know, sort of with with that that turn um, because she's got plenty of scenes. The, the the husband and wife that she's staying with are Sissy and Carl. She has plenty of scenes with both Sissy and Carl, and you know, I th- I it would have been great to see her interactions with Sissy sort of reflect either some sort of sexual awakening or realizing that 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 is that, that is a, a a part of her that she had not uh, been open to before or something like that and then the flip side with Carl was it, I I think you they needed to foreshadow his distrust of her and it's maybe maybe you have Carl be the one that that like points her out as either bisexual or lesbian like right from mm-hmm. the beginning um, and have that tension where it's sort of that like, you know, she he's he's got her his eye on her. He doesn't want her doing anything like almost almost that sort of thing where like when you tell a kid, you know, don't don't touch that uh, soccer ball. Then they're gonna go fucking touch right. the soccer ball. And if Carl be like, hey, you know, I I'm not. Uh, don't put your fingers in my wife. Oh wait, you put your fingers in. My yeah. Wife. <laughs> and be. That 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 was very graphic, but yeah, I was trying to think of a more delicate way to put it. But you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. It's it's the degenerates yeah, clubhouse. What what if the line was it was, it was yeah, they're they're they're. Uh, wait, I'm trying I'm trying to figure this out in my head. I'm stumbling a little bit. It, it would be like it'd be something like it's like fool around with my wife. You'd be the fist, but you won't be the last. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Jesus! I, oh man. I was, I, I, I was, you, you, you said a somewhat graphic line and I was like, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. You took it up a notch. You took it up a notch. But to, to tone it back down and get back to all the character and stuff we've been talking about, um, it, it would have been this great parallel between Carl and Reginald Hargraves because in season one, you've got, uh, Hargraves treating her like this monster um, you know, because of because of what she can do with her powers, because uh, of how destructive she can be um, in that sense. And then you have season two where, where you could have Carl treating her as this this monster. And that is something that people in the LGBTQ community have to deal with. People, you know, just because of their sexuality, people, especially back then in Texas, I would imagine, you know, treat the ex- them like monsters, like yeah. they don't belong in our, our society, that sort of thing. And you could have her grappling with that because that that is that is where the writers end up going with it like that that was one of the great things in that 
uh, last exchange between Ben and Vanya where Ben's like, no, you're not a monster. Yeah. Like, this isn't your fault. You know, he's talking about her powers, but she, you could have, you could have those dual aspects, her, both her sexuality and her ability to control her powers sort of working in parallel with each other. And that would have been, that would have been just this really powerful sort of conclusion there. But again, it just was, it was weird. Like, that that part where it's just like, oh, I, I I guess she's bisexual. Wait, she's gonna run away and start a life with her. Like, what what is yeah. happening right now? And she tried to take her. She tried to take Harlan and uh, Sissy with her too. Which yeah. was kind of like, what the fuck? She, How are you gonna pull that shit off? She, she was she was gonna baby mama her. <laughs> like, so, I guess Harlan I don't too. Like, man, what's gonna? There's a lot of things, a lot of which is good. There's a lot of questions left and answer that we'll find out. Hopefully, some answers in season three. But I'm like, Harlan's been given powers by Vanya's giving her, giving him CPR yeah. or mouth to mouth or whatever. Like that's weird, but okay. So there, there's this. That, that's one of these things where, like, I I don't get into speculating about plot too much in a show like this because a lot of times they really don't give you enough like you can you can kind of guess like it's a fun maybe writing exercise to be like okay if I was going to write the next season this is what I would do but they don't always give you really enough information to figure that stuff out and then a lot of times it doesn't necessarily follow from like there's like they'll, they'll have reveals you know in the sense of like wow this person is really um you know, the the alien one was I a little knew bit that, see, that better was, woven that, into that, it. I knew that was going to happen, or I, I had a hunch that that was one of the possibilities of what's going to happen with Hargreaves. I thought it's very okay. So he's he's this eccentric, rich, bazillionaire that knows how to do all the science shit. And the only really hit we got in season one was where there's like where his wife is dying in a in a deathbed, and then they. They show the the background, all these rocket ships flying off the planet, or whatever. So I'm like, okay, so this guy's an alien. I, I oh no, they they, they should they gave an even maybe not even bigger, but they gave another huge hint in season one. There there's a scene I don't know if you remember where it, it looked like it was Ellis Island, and then all these these aliens, quote unquote aliens, you know, immigrants are showing up coming into uh-huh. the country, and then amongst them. Just completely out of place, even more foreign than all them is Hargreaves and his with his right. suitcase and all this other stuff, just coming in, um, and 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 immigrating into the country. So it's like that, that's a little like aha, see yeah. he's an alien. Yeah, for sure. So I, I I was surprised. I was more surprised that he pulled off his mask. I thought he was an alien being, but I didn't think him to be like physically like an alien looking guy i thought his i thought i thought he might be like some kind of shapeshifter looking dude that can make himself look into anything but i didn't think he's going to literally pull off like a latex mask that you know likeness of Har- richard hargreaves or whatever reginald hargreaves sorry um i i guess what i was trying to say is there are some shows like say like there's like the uh, bbc sherlock Holmes show where it's 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 almost entirely plot driven where it's like we're going to set up all the puzzle pieces here are the clues like you know scene A leads to scene B which should tell you what scene C is it it's they've obviously thought things out ahead in this show but it's not that purely plot driven and 
they don't I don't feel like they have to necessarily get everything as tight and and compact in the show. So I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna enjoy it. I'm not, I don't I don't tend to obsess about figuring out details where I'm like, I just might not have enough information or like they might just just end up doing something that doesn't entirely make sense. And that's fine. I want to give them that liberty. But if I want to give them that liberty, I don't really care the, about trying the other, to, to deduce. The other prediction I had was that there that the, the other, because Har, Hargreaves uh, adopts or buys seven kids, and then we don't know what happens to the other, whatever, hundred or so kids that were born in that same day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, watch, season two, we're going to see some of these other kids, and they're going to be villains, or they're going to... I don't know. They're going to come into play at some point. So I knew that was going to happen. I was surprised how embedded, like I, I was caught off guard that Lila was one of those kids. Like that was like, that blew my, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I just thought she was just a crazy chick tagging along with Diego and just along for the ride. Like like, there was hints for sure. You you thought like one of the, like the most central characters in the whole story was just like some random. I thought she was just some random person that scene where, uh, Oh. Where the scene where she finally okay. goes and sees the handler for the first time, and she's like, "That's my mom." I'm like, "What the fuck?" And then, you know, they start sprinkling in the fact that she's got these abilities. They don't really tell you outright in that that very um, episode. It's not until a couple episodes later that they reveal like she's got some other abilities too. So that it all that shit did did they 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 hit it very well. They they hit it even though I knew that the other kids born we're going to come into play. I didn't ex- like it. I was like caught off guard with the whole Lila thing. And she's another one. I think she's hot. <laughs> Women that Armando thinks is hot. Lila. Okay. So, so two, two parts. Uh, one, as far as Lila being hot, there were certain like scenes where I'd be like, Oh yeah, like she's really hot. And then there'd be another scene where like, eh. yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, that, that, that actress was, was, uh, Plenty attractive to pull off that role, and then some. Let me let me put it that way. Um, but I and maybe maybe this was just because of, I'd seen another sort of offbeat superhero esque show where I just assumed that she had powers like right from the get go. There, there's a show called Legion that is sort of based Professor on uh, X Men yeah. properties. Yeah, but it's like it doesn't even play as, as a superhero show early on. But the first season was was just exceptional, and um, the, the but I don't I don't want to give too many spoilers away. But yeah, there there is there is a protagonist who meets a woman in a mental institution, and they both have. So powers. I got to ask you this. I'll, I'll I got to like you know that. we're we're kind of going on a quick t- little tangent because we were talking about Umbrella Academy. But I I got to ask you about Legion. I've not seen it. Mm-hmm. I've not heard good or bad. Otherwise, how many seasons are there in that show? I don't know. I think I, I watched the first season. I absolutely like loved the first season. And then I don't know if I finished the second season. I think there might be three, but I didn't see is it. Is it ongoing? Is it ongoing still or is it over? I don't know. Okay. I, I might have to know. I might have to watch that one next because I I've been watching too many shows and I don't I'm I run out. <laughs> um back to the Umbrella Academy. Uh yes, there are three seasons. I don't know if, if it's okay. ongoing. Because I told you I watched Dark, and Dark is three seasons, but that's it. It's it's only three seasons. The entire show is over. There won't be a season four. Yeah, Legion is is just very very strange and psychological. And Aubrey Plaza has a she's in it crazy performance. Yeah, I like her, but like she's too, I mean, she, she she I like her as an actress, but there's something to her. Like she's got like a 
a dirty geek vibe to me, like like a dirty slut. Yeah, like geek she's kind of she's unhinged. But that's when she gets roles like she has in Legion that works very very well for the role. Uh, and I, now um, I have to watch it. So, um, I guess to to bring it back to to Umbrella Academy, which which believe it or not, Umbrella Academy is a little bit more grounded than, than really? Legion is as a show. Uh, yeah, Legion is just freaking out there. Like it's a very strange show um, to the point where you're like, you're not even sure like what's happening. You're like, did this scene that I just saw really happen, or was it something that the character just thinks happened, or like what what's going on here? But uh, in in Umbrella Academy, you know, okay, these scenes are are happening. You understand what's happening in the seasons uh, in the scenes. And on that note, like, what were some of your favorite scenes in the in the show? We talked yeah, we about talked a couple about of them. some of those like dancing musical type scenes. Those are good, strong, powerful ones. I really did like that f- five versus five. Five versus five. Um, I did like the. Uh, the uh, the scene where uh, Luther has to like confront Vanya for the first time and like figure out what the hell she's doing here and uh, uh, I did like the scene where uh, where Diego tries to like I guess start up a uh, Team Zero or whatever that was that was another funny moment um, I think we covered a lot of the scenes that I really that really stood out for me as good ones um, I I actually had a few um, that we didn't we didn't talk about a lot. I mean, well, the whole scene where Ben possesses Klaus, I, yeah. I mentioned that, but I thought that was one, that was just an incredible acting job because he, he still had like traces of Klaus, but it was very clearly a different person. So I think Robert Sheehan, that actor just did a phenomenal yeah. job. And then that, that whole scene, I mean, just you really, I, I, to me when I was watching it, I felt like, I was experiencing the world as a ghost and suddenly, suddenly now I had human form and like, I could kind of see the world the way he was seeing, seeing it. I mean, that was such a, um, a tactile moment where like he takes off his shoes and he's just walking around barefoot in dirt. And I was like, man, like I know what that feels like. I know that feeling of like earth, like to your feet. And I had, I never really thought about it. Like, Oh, like I guess maybe ghosts can't, I mean, they're, they're um, not, corporeal so like they, they can't, can't yeah. feel anything like so that that scene and it was just so bright and, and um vibrant I, I thought that scene was was very cool and then there was the aftermath of that scene as ben tried to hold on to the possession and and get klaus's body to the meeting point and which where i was like that's that's like some some excellent physical yeah. comedy uh i like the i like the viking funeral I mean, it was short. Oh, yeah, we didn't but even talk about those three brothers, those uh, Scandinavian-looking yeah. guys, Swedes, the Swedes. Whatever. Yeah, they, they were they were interesting characters. I it's a it's a new twist on um, on Hazel and Chacha because in, in season one, Hazel and Chacha were like the I guess the hitmen, if you want to call them that. Yeah, yeah. the the sort of sub antagonists. Right. Um, I I, I, I kind of liked those Hazel and Cha-Cha characters. I, I like that they brought back Hazel even for just a little brief moment in the beginning of season two. Um, yeah. well, they had a lot more personality, obviously. I and mean, they had dialogue, yeah. which <laughs> which is helpful. And so they have these three the, Scandinavian dudes, brothers. Um, they, they were just kind of a force of nature, really. Like, they... 
they're just this sort of one of the scenes with them that I thought was funny. I mean, it wouldn't, wouldn't be one of my, my top scenes, but it's just like the three of them sitting in the, the lady's apartment that they killed yeah, yeah. with the cats. And like the older brother is like cooking eggs in his underwear. And the two younger brothers are taking char- turns, like trying to like throw knives yeah. at each other. And the, the young, the youngest brother fucks up and just hits him right. Yeah. In the thigh. <laughs> like, and it's like, that's just like a, it, it, it was, it was, uh, a nice setup of being like, oh, they're just like complete like psychopaths, and they just are are sort of these like emotionless, you know, feelingless killing machines. But then when you get when you get to the funeral, that's why it, it kind of hit for me. I'm like, oh, like they do yeah. have feelings. Like, wow, they're they're like they're actually really torn up about their brother. And then it was just the well, the older brother, um, the older again, brother this, also pulls out the 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 photo. A couple of times, you know, to like, yeah. I guess he's, he's longing for his family, his mom or whatever, his family. Well, and then the the, the music for that scene, the, the Viking funeral really t- like tied it together. I mean, I guess we're hitting on that the soundtrack does play a huge role. Uh, and if you remember, it was it was Hello from the Other Side. Oh, yeah, but as someone... But else, it yeah. was... I, I don't... But it, like, I don't know if it was in Swedish yeah. or like what the language was, but... It, Something about that, I like it, like like that made me feel some sort yeah. of way. Give me a little little chill up my spine for when sure, I heard that. For sure, the, they do a really just the music in general, the soundtrack in general. They did a really good job of of tying in music, that and and not just music from like they're not just uh, it's not just top forties they're playing now. They they pull out from every genre, every um, era. Yeah. And just it, the the song or the music has to tie into the scene. And who's ever in charge of the music did a really fucking a really fantastic job. But yeah, that was that was a good scene. Uh, Klaus professing his love to to young Dave and then getting punched by the uncle. Uh, that thought that was a good scene. Um, that was see, that was another place where it was kind of it was kind of weird. I mean, because um, I mean, the Klaus's character is is obviously gay. I mean, that's going to be another point of friction in 1960s Texas. But it, it could have been interesting to have him and, and Vanya connect a little bit more yeah. over that. Like, cause that's something that like he's obviously comes, you know, come to grips with a while ago. And it seems like something that should be something she is struggling with. But, um, oh, one of the, okay. And the last two scenes, uh, that, that I, that really kind of like maybe stood out for me is a better way to put it. The, the handler at the pet shop with a little kid <laughs> yeah. where she makes him yeah. piss his pants. But I, I like that just because she, her, the acting job she did was so good. Like. You know, she was being kind of saccharine sweet, like, oh, little boy, fish don't like it when you tap on the glass. Um, but, like, it, it just, again, it was so creepy at the same time. So that, that actress did a great job. And then it was such nice foreshadowing. That was such right? a Mr. X scene because I was wondering, why the fuck was she doing in the pet store? And I thought, to me, I thought that one of those goldfish in that tank was going to be eventually be in the future that, that AJ, whatever, that, the head of the commission. I thought one of the I thought that's I thought that's what that scene was going towards. Turns out like she hides mm. a fucking key in the fucking little goldfish box thing for for, yeah. for uh, Lila. For me, one of the, I'm, might have been the, the the scene that hit me the most in the whole show was was the the scene of the sit-in. The sit-in. Yeah. Uh, it, the the so the, when they were protesting. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that was a good scene. So so just. That that's in in the civil rights movement they would do sit-ins so they would they would go to white only uh, establishments and they would just you know 
nonviolent, peacefully just sit there and, you know, you know, a lot of times the, the, the real life protesters were getting beaten. They were getting dragged out. They're getting arrested and they were just, just passively nonviolently sitting at these places. And for me, I think part of the reason that, that scene hit, I mean, it did definitely have sort of a comic book larger than life feel to it, but I realized like in the past, anytime I'd seen a sit-in depicted, it had been, it was either like black and white or a sepia tone or something about the way it was shot made it feel like, oh, this was something that was like way in the past. And then just seeing that, that scene play out like in, in HD and color, um, and, and even, even the way they directed it being a little bit sensationalized didn't detract for from like that, the realness of it for me. And then, yeah. And then her, her husband's getting, um, you know, beaten with an inch of his life. And like, I just, I just never seen that part of the civil rights movement depicted that way, I guess right. is what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I also liked, uh, and it's not really a scene, I guess it's a series of scenes if you want to call it that, but, um, mm-hmm. that, that they kind of, um, explain how Pogo became Pogo. That was kind of cool. Oh, I had that one. It was a montage. Yeah. yeah the Pogo montage. I like that was one that was I on like mine. How, you know, he was basically a, a, a chimp developed to be a space monkey, literally space monkey that I guess got in a crash in outer space of some sort, or maybe like a, a failure to launch or something. Something went wrong and burned the poor monkey really severely. And so here comes uh, Hargreaves with like a magical medicine in, in a needle and <laughs> Yeah, that's what gives uh, Pogo the uh, cognitive abilities that he's got. That, that would have been. I remember seeing that. That would have been a line that I, th- I would have cracked up at. I, I don't know exactly what the wording would have been, but remember when when um, they were they were talking about uh, the 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 it was it was like Klaus was talking about the love interest between Allison and Luther, and they were talking about it was like well we're like not technically siblings or. And, he, and he's like, look, if you have to use the word technically, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't really come into play. I would just love a, like an extra tag on that that joke of like, it's like, anyways, like Luther has more DNA in common with Pogo than he does with Allison. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucked up. Which is funny because he because he well he probably literally does. It was the, this it was the same serum that saved Luther that yeah. also saved Pogo. Yeah. And in 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 Pogo's case, it made him a little bit more human, and in Luther's case, it made him a little bit more Pogo. Yeah. My okay, so just I'll just we don't have to talk about these, but just to wrap up, since you mentioned that one, my my the other scenes that I I liked that that um maybe not as much as the others were were the the Luther boxing scene, uh, Klaus's cult montage. I liked that one. Uh, Diego's fight with Reginald Hardgraves was good. But then at the end, where like the like little baby Pogo like jumps down, right, and then like they like walks off. I was like, okay, that that put that into my favorite. Vanya saving Harlan was a good scene. Uh, Pogo montage, um, the shopping rumor scene. We talked about that one. Oh, and Fives Fives murder rampage. That was the last one. When he kills the the the, the board. Yeah. But but it starts <laughs> again. It it does it does speak to like five being a little bit unhinged. It starts with him trying to get um, I can't remember what it was. There was there was some like chocolate that he was trying to like pull out of. The, but the, I, I I don't even remember what it was because I was I was transfixed on the chocolate next to it. 
It was like like Pogo's chocolate. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. It was a little reference to Pogo the Space Monkey. I was looking at that, and then yeah, Five just freaks out and destroys the vending machine, and then just goes goes on a, a murder rampage. And I was like, well, that's when I'm like like evaluating his character. I'm like, maybe he is just a freaking psychopath, and uh, all those years in the apocalypse by himself have have. <laughs> warped his mind a little bit and that that's what this character is but i don't know the finale the grand finale season the, the final season the final moment where they're they they think they stopped the apocalypse they they teleport transport back in time to the day after the original apocalypse would have happened and then they go mm. and they find out richard Hargis is still alive they're like what the fuck you're alive cool and then uh you know, they have that kind of semi-ominous scene where there's like a new six or seven uh, Sparrow Academy. Yeah, they 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 butterfly affected it. Yeah, for sure. Because seriously, if you were Reginald Hargraves, would and you had that meeting with them where they all seem like idiots. Luther like is like, Dad, look at my tits, and <laughs> and. Uh, you know, the, like the only one that you think is even a little bit sensible, you find out just couldn't control his power and teleported himself to the apocalypse. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not going to work with these idiots. Like, yeah, the, the idea yeah. is still good, but let me let me get some different, better ones. And then obviously he didn't know about yeah. Ben because Ben was not, um, as far as he was aware, Ben wasn't present. So like... Yeah, they they, <laughs> I think via that meeting with him, they they screwed up the whole timeline, and now he's got a different yeah. set. The Sparrow Academy. I I gotta ask you, do you think that the Sparrow Academy is going to be? Are they going to be then the? Is it going to be Umbrella Academy v versus Sparrow Academy? Is that what season three is going to be about, or is it going to be somehow, some way, Umbrella Academy and Sparrow Academy work together? Right. Well, okay. So, the, the, if you're if you're writing this, the way it would make sense is that that at the beginning, the, you know, the first two thirds of the season, they are antagonists. You know, they they've got an antagonistic relationship. It is Umbrella Academy versus Sparrow Academy, and then the last third, they find common ground, unite, and because because ultimately, they it seems like they they probably would have the same goal. I mean, they were they were both raised by the same man. And you know all all his faults and and uh, him being an asshole was sort of exacted on them in different ways. But it's going to be the, a second group of kids who are raised to save the world and protect people. So, so uh, do you? So then, do you think then Richard Hargreaves, Reginald? I keep saying Richard. Reginald Hargreaves treats the Sparrow Academy better. No, I don't. I don't think so. You think so he's still a dick? Nah, he like. That is the one character that I don't think really does have character development or or should have character development. Like he's sort of a constant, and it's the things around him, you know, the people around him that are changing, uh, often because of his influence or or reacting mm. to the influence he had. So no, I mean, I think he he is going to raise them exactly the same way, um, and that's that's sort of the flip too because. If you think about it, when you see Ben just briefly at the end of that uh, end of season two, he looks different. Like he looks like a dark, like evil Ben, right? Yeah, he's got he's got like a scar on his face, and his hair is done a little more like you know. But it's not camped very well. So that that kind of like makes sense because like one, it seems like one well, doesn't seem like 
obviously Ben is the leader of this Sparrow Academy. He they've got his picture hanging hanging above the mantle uh, mantle. So it's like okay, now he's Reginald's focus. Like he's he's the one that's been entrusted with leadership, and he's had to deal with him a lot longer. I mean, he 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 died when he was a kid. Um, and do you think he's? Do you think that the Sparrow Academy has been assigned numbers too? Like, is 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 the is is a Sparrow Academy Ben going to be like the number one? Probably. Or I mean, I, I, if if the character of Reginald Hardgraves holds true, he would have done everything exactly the same way, and the variable would have been this different set of kids. Gotcha. Uh, and, and again, who knows how that would manifest? Obviously. Everything you know, everything similar would have happened, but um, Ben doesn't die, so there's a different set of skills. There's different, um, you know, and there's a lot of things that have changed. Like like Harland, how I mean, how how old is Harland at that point? He you know he was he's going to be a grown man. So they go back, they go back to the '60s. Yeah. So if they go back from the '60s to 2019, yeah, he's now going to be. Uh, let's see, Harland was about let's just say, give or take 10, even year, ten years old, forty. Wait, yeah, he'd be old. So, so let's just say Harlan's like ten years old in the in in the in the. 60s. He'd be fifty nine years old. So born oh, well, very. He'd be yeah. seventy nine years old or fifty fifty nine years old. So, no. Yeah. Wait. Uh, math. Sixty nine years old. Fifty. Sixty. Sixty nine. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So he's. <laughs> hey. So he's so so Harlan. If he's alive in this, um, I guess parallel dimension, parallel universe, alternate timeline. He's a damn near seventy year old old man. What what is he doing? What what has he been doing during that whole time? Because he obviously still has some kind of superpowers left. I know oh. Vanya tries to correct it and and whatever take the powers out of him again. But there's that scene where he's like he's still levitating that little duck toy that he plays mm-hmm. with in his hand. So he's obviously not completely lost all of his powers. He's got some powers left. So what's this seventy year old man doing in 2019? Does he remember Vanya? You know what I mean? Like, does does he remember Vanya when he was growing up? And then now he's a seventy year old man. And is he going to be helping the Umbrella Academy, or is he going to be? Is he going to be a villain? Are new kids going to be introduced? You know, are are you know like they introduced Lila? Is Lila going to come back? I hope she comes back. I liked her character. Yeah. Did, did they take her? That was unclear. Did they take her Lila with them? Oh shit! I forget. I forget if they took her with it. It. I think they. No, no, no. They tried to, and then she teleported away, didn't she? Like she just vanished somewhere. I don't remember. That, that's weird because it seems like she made the decision to become part of their family, and then they just it, immediately ditch her. That seems weird, but um, and she's also one where where she's sort of been outside of the timeline a bunch anyway. So like they could they could uh, take her without causing any weird uh repercussions from that and yeah yeah again this is one where I, i'm not getting too worked up about trying to figure out what's happened because i don't i don't really fully understand how their um their time rules work you know there's like the back yeah. to the future time rules or but like are they gonna see alternate versions of themselves in in the future as well or you know in 2019 right. um i don't know i, I just it, to me it doesn't seem like it's really worth uh, getting into too much. I mean, all the all the what, what did they call it? Like there, there was the something paranoia, like when five meets five, because the two of them uh, were. Occupied. There's 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 
there's seven things that happen. One's like itching. Yeah. And all this stuff, and then yeah, it was, it was like, like wild it was like time paradox paranoia, or, or they gave some name yeah. to it. Like that, that was a little like a kind of a, a funny gag, but it didn't entirely explain how uh, the, the rules of time travel work. So I'm like, ah, whatever. This right. is just let's. This is a plot device. Don't think too hard about it, or it's just gonna get annoying. Yeah, I I, I can't I can't wait for season three season three's season two i binged season two literally in two days like i woke up early on whatever the 31st or whatever the day it came out and watched probably five six seven episodes the first morning and then the next morning i finished the season so i <laughs> I, fin- I binged the motherfucker in two days it's it's so good i can't wait for season three Unfortunately, it's probably going to be like another year from now, I bet. But, I mean, the one thing that you can say for certain is that they're going to have to contend with other superpowered people, which will definitely be, uh, I think, kind of cool. I mean... And what are those superpowers? They're the only... They, we don't we don't have any clue... We don't even have any clue that Ben's powers are the same... Or the new Ben, the, the Sparrow Ben. We don't have a clue of if if his ability is the same ability as the old Ben, like the octopus tentacle thing. Um, and then we don't we don't know what the other ominous, mysterious six Sparrow Academy members do. There's like one, I guess, floating cube thing. It's, I, the fuck is that? I mean, it's got to be like a sub, like I don't know, some kind of consciousness trapped into a floating cube. But what are its powers? I don't know. It, what are it, what are all those guys' powers? It, it'll just be nice because so far, all the the sort of henchmen that they've had to deal with, um, are just like guys with guns for the most part. Like for the first yeah. time at the end of season two, you, you know you you saw them have to fight Lila a little bit, but like for the yeah. most part, I mean, uh, Hazel and Cha Cha were just just good. Uh, villains because of their personalities and everything involved but like in terms of their actual abilities and powers it's like it's like eh, these are just kind of two assholes with guns but they do have that that ability that they, they know that they're time traveling they have mm-hmm. that briefcase of them and all that but that's that's pretty much it they have to wear those silly masks or helmets hey hey what the Umbrella Academy are superheroes. I want to see them fight fucking superheroes. You know, the, the Avengers versus Thanos was a lot more interesting than the Avengers fight, fighting random security guards. That's what I'm, all I'm saying. True, true. But Paul Blart versus X Men. <laughs> Paul Paul Blart versus X Men. Uh, I would pay to see that. It would be a very short movie, but I, I could they could have my my twelve dollars any day of the week. So, um. Basically, I, I guess in summation, uh, I, I still highly recommend Umbrella Academy. I, I'm looking forward, maybe not as much to you, but definitely looking forward to season three. And I just hope they do a better job with the character development. Because if you're going to make a character-driven show, the character development has to be really good. And I, and as we went over for like, like Jesus Christ, almost two hours... It felt to me like they could have done a much better job with that this season. I think, uh, I think they have they have plenty of, depending on how many seasons they want this this show to go, they have plenty of room to continue to um, make these characters um, still struggle with their with their flaws. 
like you don't want them to be perfect in season three, right? You want them to still be struggling with whatever their character flaws are and keep, but st- still gradually just get better and better at what what they are and coming to terms with who they are and and just getting closer as a family and working together as a team. I think ultimately that's what Hargreaves wanted them to do. Like he didn't want to. I think again going back to what I said earlier in the episode is like I think I think he was an asshole for a reason, and uh, and again it's just gonna keep getting better and better and I hope they bring back Lila I hope they don't just write her off I hope that they bring back original Ben Umbrella Academy Ben somehow um, but we'll see it'll be interesting um, so yeah. uh, I, I guess still on all two thumbs up from us on Umbrella Academy season 2 and we look forward to season three and seeing what other sort of dysfunctional fucked up shenanigans the Umbrella Academy family can get into. That is all from me and Armando on Umbrella Academy. Peace out. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys soon. Hey, everyone. Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you.